What's up, everybody? Just want to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television. Jungle Television is creating gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, this dude, Alex, is making some of my favorite art. And uh, I have a bunch of Jungle Television t-shirts. They are heavy in my rotation and just always blown away by the things that he is making. The Mushroom Hunter jackets are some of my favorites. Those are really dope. But yeah, if you need jackets, shirts, hats, just prints, very cool prints, um, hit this dude up. The Jungle Television link will be in the episode notes along with the Instagram tag. And if you use the code DCP at checkout, you'll get 20% off of your next order. So take advantage of that. Check out the uh, the Jungle Television Instagram, Cruise Alex's designs. Um, they're very, very dope. And next level, appreciate his support and sponsorship of this thing. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts giving it more visibility on the national and international levels and helping strangers find the podcast. Just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. Appreciate you just for tuning in. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features in-studio performances and live show performances from uh, a bunch of different artists from all genres and uh, you can click subscribe there if you want to find out when new videos are hitting the feed there. At Dan Cable Presents is the my Instagram handle where you can uh, track me down on social media. Usually trying to share the new episode when it's available or other uh, Portland, Oregon music happenings or you know music going on other places. Maybe some home baking, some muffin making. Who knows what's going to end up in that uh, that Instagram story as this quarantine continues to go on. I hope that you all are hanging tough, doing your thing out there. I'm really stoked to share episode 213 with you. Hank Compton is on the show. I just uh, had a killer chat with Hank. He's uh, out in Nashville, and uh, we jumped on the phone. And uh, just felt like I became fast friends with Hank. And it was, a, it was just a, a very cool chat. You know, with these, these phone interviews, these phone podcasts, 
these chats I'm having, um, sometimes it can be hard to to find the timing just because there is a delay in the phone or if I've, I've been using Zoom a little bit or FaceTime and what have you with certain ones. But uh, this was one where uh, we, we found a rhythm very early on and, and uh, made it very easy to to just have this uh this relaxed conversation with hank so i'm super stoked to share that with you and uh a few of his tunes he's got a new ep that's going to come out on uh may 29th so really looking forward to that a few of the singles off of that ep are already available and then hank also has another ep another collection of tunes that is available now as well and that's uh called kill what we love and that is a very cool collection of tunes so i'm excited to get into that and uh and just share uh share the chat that we had hank's also got some really cool stripped down stuff that i found pretty early on when i when i found out about him and um they're these our vinyl sessions so check those out as well there's also some really cool video content. We we talk a little bit about a couple of the videos during our chat. And um, yeah, man, this is just another one of those uh, me cruising through my Apple Music weekly new music playlist and uh, just stumbling upon another artist. And um, I reached out to Hank, sent him a a message on Instagram and he was kind enough to, to respond with how to, uh, arrange setting this thing up with him. And, and I'm, uh, very glad that I did. And, uh, I'll tell you what, this is a great, great way to, to kill an hour or so to, to jump on the phone with somebody and just talk to them about their tunes and, and get an introduction to somebody this way, especially during this quarantine time. It's, uh, it's just an, a nice way to uh, to pass some of the time that's going by. And uh, in talking to Hank, we found out that, uh, you know, we had someone in common, and that is uh, a fellow by the name of Lou, and he performs music under the name Lonus. And he has been on this podcast, I think that was back in November or December. So definitely go back if you dig what you hear on the, on this episode, if you dig the tunes here, I think that you will enjoy Lou's music very much too. And uh, Hank and Lou definitely work together on some of the music we're going to play on this episode. So check out the Lonus episode as well. I will put Lou's uh, Instagram handle in the links along with Hank's um, because he is also a killer artist and that was also a super fun chat. And another dude that I became very fast friends with, it seemed, over our uh, conversation that we had. So check that out. Um, and we're going to get into uh, my chat with Hank momentarily here. I know there's not, uh, there's obviously no show dates going on because of all of this madness happening. But uh do want to remind you that every other week for the last, I don't know, there's only two of them available. So I don't want to act like this has been going on for a while, but... Um, I have released with my cousin in this podcast feed, in the Dan Cable Presents podcast feed, I Dig Records, Volume 1 and 2 are available. 
my cousin and I are just going deep on records. We're both picking one, and then we listen to them separately, and we uh, we get together during this quarantine, and we discuss these records almost like a book club, and then we play play the music in the background. We're covering all kinds of tunes. Um, volume one, we did the Cockatoo Twins, Heaven in Las Vegas, and then we also did this Young Jesus record, which is killer. Both those records are great. And then this most recent episode, Volume 2, which came out last week, is uh, the producer Knowledge, his Meek Mill tapes that he's been putting out, Meek Volume 1 and Meek Volume 2. And then um, the record that I brought for Volume 2 was Raylan Baxter's Good Morning, which is uh, an unreal tribute record to Mac Miller, some of uh, some cover songs that Raylan recorded in... Uh, a really cool full band fashion and uh yeah so check that out if that sounds cool those are available in this podcast feed shout out to vortex music magazine for uh you know helping share this thing up and giving me a platform to to uh to share some of my writing and and some of this uh this podcast thing that's going on so uh that's it i think i'll put all the links in the episode notes Hope you all are doing quite well out there. And we are going to dive in to episode 213 from Nashville, Tennessee. Hank Compton is on the show. And uh, we're going to kick it off. We're going to kick this episode off with uh, the first track that I heard from Hank. So you can be introduced to him the same way I was. And uh, this is my favorite track uh as of now in i think thus far in the catalog that is available this is can't be loved now near mike let's do the damn thing
man. Well, I uh, I stumbled upon your tunes. One of your jams came up in my my new music playlist on my Apple Music maybe a couple weeks ago. It was uh, it was can't be loved. That was sick. And I know that's one of your newer jams. Yeah. And it was definitely something that hooked me in right away. And well, that's good, uh, yeah, it gave me kind of some uh, some of those Noah Gunderson vibes, and I'm a big fan of that dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, I it's funny. I feel like people ask me a lot if I have. Which I think he's great, but I feel like I haven't listened to enough of his records for all the times I've been asked if I'm like a huge fan. <laughs> I'm like, that, that's even better than I think. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I everything that I've heard, I think is so great. So I take it as a compliment. Yeah, I always, I always dig when I talk to somebody about their tunes and and have some, maybe peg some comparison on them, and then they've never really like dug deep on those tunes or maybe don't even know about that artist. Yeah, it is. It's funny. Like until somebody else hears what you're doing, like you, (laughs) it's hard for you to, I don't know, kind of look at it from a third person's perspective. And so I've even had like conversations where I feel like people say like reference records or say songs and I'll be like, yeah, I guess I really was into that at that time. Like, I guess I, re- I guess that did have a big influence. Like, I didn't realize it as much. Yeah, it's. I think that's cool when it more naturally kind of bleeds into what you're doing, and not you know you're not really trying to recreate that thing. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but yeah, man, I checked out that tune, and um, I was pleasantly surprised when I when I dug deeper into uh, the the catalog of tunes that you have available and and uh just continued to really enjoy what i was finding and uh check, i appreciate you yeah. listening absolutely dude i checked out your your ep and then i checked out some of those acoustic uh our vinyl sessions that you did oh yeah so that stuff is all really cool as well and uh i know you're you're out in nashville yes yes i'm born and raised oh born and raised Yes. So you have gotten to see the uh, the changes over time. <laughs> yeah, it's actually crazy how different of a city it is from what it was when I was growing up. Did you grow up uh, with family members as musicians? Um, my dad, he so he grew up in a musical family. My grandfather on my dad's side is a a luthier. And um, so he kind of had that background. But I think when he was trying to figure out what to do as a career, I don't think the music industry really was the first choice that came to mind. But yeah, he like ended up getting an internship at a publishing company in, I want to say it was probably the early 90s or maybe mid 90s. And so yeah, raised our entire family here, and he worked at that same publishing company for like twenty years. So it was pretty crazy. Okay. So you were you were definitely around it as a kid. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, all of my parents' friends were musicians and songwriters as well. So it was like I, I had this exposure to music at a super young age. Yeah. Did you also just kind of did it sink in pretty? quickly for you that that was a thing that people did for careers yeah i think well 
I mean, with my dad working in it, I think I had an idea, but I always wanted to be on the creative side because he was more, he was a publisher. So he kind of, he wasn't a writer or a producer or anything. So I, I think I always was attracted to the creative side of it. And I wanted to figure out kind of how to make a career out of that. So I think that my attention was like super focused on that from, from like, I don't know, five years old, like when I first started playing. Yeah, you picked a instrument up then super early. Yes, yeah, I started with guitar when I was yeah I was probably five or six. I think is when I learned a G, a C, and a D, <laughs> and then from that point on, I was obsessed with it. Did you uh, start writing your own songs pretty early on too? Honestly, not not really. I spent a lot of time like I want to say the first probably like seven years of me playing guitar was just me playing to records and like kind of figuring out that. I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I just knew that I really didn't have a lot to say at the time. So I didn't really know what I was yeah. going to write a song about, <laughs> but yeah, I think for, you know, the first half of me playing guitar, it was just me playing to records and kind of spinning an obscene amount of time on YouTube looking up how people played things. Yeah. And then I think it got, I was in a, I started in a band when I was like 13. And I think that's when I really started getting into writing songs, writing my own songs. Yeah. Were you the, did you sing in that band? No, I was just the guitarist. Okay. Yep. And were you, were you bringing your original ideas to that? Yeah, I think, that was more musical than anything. The lead singer at the time, she was just super fluid with lyrics and melodies. And so I didn't really even try to get in her way with that. But I think musically, I started writing more of the songs. And um, and then, you know, kind of as time went on, I I decided to start trying to write more lyrics and just kind of writing in general. So... It it was like a very long evolution into me deciding to write my own songs. Yeah, do you do you feel like there's something that kind of triggered that for you where you where you really wanted to dig into that stuff? I think it was a time of serious change in my life. Uh like I had gotten out of a really long relationship, a very important relationship to me, and then the band kind of disintegrated and then you know I was moving out of my childhood home and that was really heartbreaking I don't know I feel like it was just like all these things where I I needed something like seriously like needed to just alleviate the stress that I was holding and kind of just the fear of all the change and I think I just immediately went to writing songs about it yeah uh have you always found a lot of comfort in in writing and very much used it as a confessional for things definitely that i mean that was kind of how it started for me so it's kind of hard to even revert back and not write songs that are about shit that's happening in my life like right now you know it's hard for me to yeah i can't really i, I have friends who are so talented and can you know sit down and make this super moving song out of just a story that they heard or, you know, just something that a friend's going through. And it's just always been so hard for me to like 
not necessarily empathize as much as just when it it's my life I feel like I really I know all the ins and outs of it so I feel like I can really draw a picture with what I'm going through as opposed to you know trying to like create a canvas for somebody else's you know shit you know (laughs) yeah absolutely I've always really admired the people that can figure out how to you know, write from someone else's perspective or another character it's crazy. other than their own, you know, like that, that is just nothing like something that hasn't come very easy to me. And it's always been a, an easier thing to just, yeah, you know, like make my own observations and confessions of what's happening in my life. Like you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so being that, you know, you started using this thing to, unload a lot of feelings and thoughts was it difficult for you at all to to kind of front it and and bear your soul when you started presenting these tunes to people or did that come pretty naturally for you i think when it came to you know just like the general public whoever wanted to listen to my music that wasn't as frightening to me like i wasn't as scared of that as i was like my family hearing the song you know like i yeah i think that was the part that i it was hard for me to like i don't know it it just was for me i use writing songs as kind of a way of just throwing it all down you know just like taking everything that i'm feeling and like to the furthest extent kind of pinpoint how i'm feeling and so it, it can sound pretty I don't know, dark or it it could sound heavy or like, like I'm not doing okay, you know, but it's like my, (laughs) it's my release, you know? So it's hard for me to explain that to my grandparents when they're asking me if I'm going to be making gospel music and (laughs) I end up making what I'm making, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I mean that the raw emotion and like vulnerable, vulnerable moments, uh, throughout your lyrics is definitely, I don't know what draws someone like me in for sure. You know, the, the bummer tunes and the, the confessionals are absolutely I'm about it. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> same. I am. I love sad music, which it's funny. <laughs> I, it, everybody kind of wants to say that those songs are sad, but in my opinion, I feel like it's just real. Like the songs that really cut me the hardest are the ones that are like, wow, this isn't somebody, you know, just trying to be dramatic. Like that just, that just cuts, you know, that's just real life. Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. And yeah. And I think, um, you know, people can place a lot on you after you do put those things out and just assume that you are a a super bummer of a person (laughs) and things like that. Which is actually um, hilarious because I'm like an actual idiot. I like am such a, <laughs> I like just goof around literally 98% of my time. I'm just trying to make people laugh. So it's funny because I, I listen to my music and I'm like, oh, this is, that's not what you would expect. <laughs> for sure. I, I definitely, definitely identify with that for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So growing up in Nashville was, being that that is such like a music mecca is that super intimidating to be Mm. raised around that and trying to insert yourself somewhere in the scene or do you feel like you have kind of this 
this this inside look because you're you're born and raised there uh i think that the cool the cool part about growing up in nashville was that it was intimidating at, at least as far as like me wanting to be an artist or a songwriter you know it it was definitely intimidating at first but there's there's this like understanding in nashville that i feel like there's so many talented people here and it's not necessarily a place that uh, is short of talent. Everybody kind of accepts the fact that it's not a talent contest either. I think like just kind of that understanding promotes more artistry than anything, you know, kind of people just like being their own thing and not worrying about the, the technicality of it as much, which is really cool, which is one of the things I love about, being here um but as far as like i don't know growing up here and being a part of the scene or you know music community throughout my peers it is it's weird like i i I think it's a huge blessing honestly because it makes me feel not alone not as isolated as i feel like you normally would if you were just writing songs you know in a basement (laughs) Yeah, and and then you've got all these people around you to continually, continuously kind of like raise the bar Absolutely. around you. Yeah, even if it's not like in a competitive way, it's healthy competition. Yeah, you just got plenty of people around you releasing like killer tunes all the time. Yeah. Um, are you friends with uh with Lonus? Yeah. So that dude, that Lou, dude Lou. Yeah, dude, Lou actually co-produced this entire EP that oh, is fuck coming yeah. out. Yeah. So we started writing I forget even I want to say it was a guy named Andy Oliphant who hooked us up just to write cuz he knew that we both lived here and we just kind of I I don't know it was like such a gradual friendship like it wasn't like we after the first write we were like best buds but just over time we we were just like yeah that was fun like we should keep working and it just kind of became like this really cool relationship friendship and so then it kind of just got to the point where we had all these songs and we're like well why don't we finish them why don't we just kind of make an ep out of this stuff and so that's kind of how this batch of songs that's coming out right now kind of came about oh right on yeah Yeah. uh i stumbled upon Lou's music the same way I did yours and towards the end of last year some sometime I did a podcast with him and just a, a great dude dude he is awesome I I love him so much and uh yeah I feel like that same polish that I found on his record seemed to exist in yours so that that totally makes sense yeah he definitely Lou has uh he has a signature as a producer like i i feel like he really has to find his own style and sound which is really cool um had you worked with a bunch of different producers before working with lou on stuff or did you primarily kind of work alone um there was so i worked with the producer uh named tone deaf that's his producer name uh for the first EP and actually we had made another EP actually two more EPs together that still haven't seen the light of day but um 
yeah, so that kind of came about, I was graduating high school, I want to say, and we had been writing together and he was out in LA. And so as soon as I graduated, I just went out there and started making songs with him. And that was my first ever experience making a record on my own, like as an artist. And so that was kind of the first, um, I don't know, that was the first production duo that I was comfortable with. And then I wrote with a lot of other people and kind of got familiar with some other producers from the time of going from Tone to to Lou. But it was kind of just, I don't know, it's been very minimal. It It was kind of straight from tone to Lou. I didn't really spend a lot of time kind of uh, writing or creating any other music that wasn't just a a demo or something with another producer. Yeah. Is it easy for you to uh, allow somebody else's ideas into your songs? Yes. Uh, Well, yes and no. I think it's kind of hard. I really strive having another person in the room, especially working on my own music. Just because I just have to have somebody to tell me when to stop and when something isn't working. and Because I feel like I am good at kind of getting a general idea of what I want things to be like. But they're, you know, where Lou comes in is kind of cleaning up those, I don't know, kind of rough edges that as an artist I'm not paying as much attention to because I'm kind of caring more about what this guitar sound is or what the drums will sound like in this section. And so it's kind of like I'm ADHD and all over the fucking place. And he kind of brings me back into making it a a concise thought, which I love. I feel like I've always needed that in the studio. Yeah. Just trimming the fat. Exactly. Exactly. Picking, picking the moments (laughs) that still provide character and finding the ones that don't. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure, man. Well, uh, yeah, I just think all of the the tones captured on all this new stuff. Like, we're going to get into to Judge Me, and that's one of the, the newer jams, right? Yeah, that one came out in November. And uh, there's a really cool music video for this song. It was really fun making that. That It was actually like the back of the cop car or whatever was uh, yeah. just this... I don't even know. It was like this mesh wire that (laughs) Sophia just found. (laughs) But it's funny. Like, looking back at the video, it was so wild how it really did look like I was in the back of a cop car. But it was literally just this plastic going across the back of a a car. (laughs) Uh, Where did this this Judge Me tune come from? Judge Me, uh, like... When was it created or kind of what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, where where like what were you uh going through when you were writing this jam? I I was kind of trying to figure out I didn't go to college. I went straight into music and just trying to figure out how to make that work. And I actually grew up probably about 10 miles south of Nashville in a town called Nolensville, which is where I spent the majority of my time. And it it's kind of just, you wouldn't expect it to be as close to Nashville as it is. It's just like any other small southern town, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think I pull a lot of inspiration, especially with this la- 
last batch of songs, kind of just about the feeling of growing up in an environment that you don't really feel necessarily like you fit in as a creative or that's kind of like that's kind of awkward for people it's it's not normal and I don't know just like there's a lot of depth behind the story but just kind of like always feeling like somebody had an eye on me or that like somebody was waiting for me to fuck up just because I was kind of I fit the type you know yeah and um so I think I just, I pull a lot of anger and like frustration. That's unnecessary just from that whole era of my life, especially like late middle school throughout high school, just kind of feeling like I was having to fend for myself or, or I couldn't explain myself, you know, when I wanted to. And I think that songs have a cool way of like letting us say things that we felt like we couldn't in the situation. So I think that's where that all stemmed from was just, I don't know, growing up and, and feeling like people were waiting on you to, to trip up or, you know, kind of always, you feel like you have a target on your back. So what are your, what are your feelings like going back to that area where you grew up now? Is it? I still like my best friend growing up, he still lives there and we still see each other pretty frequent. So it's, it's nice going back there now. Um, but it is a, it, it's a weird change. The, first off, the town itself has changed so much since the evolution of Nashville. So it is a lot different from what it was when I was growing up there. But it's not like bitter. I, lo- I mean, I love all the people that I grew up with. And I, like I said, I keep in touch with my closest friends from that era. But yeah, it's definitely weird. You know, I feel like yeah. I'm, moving on in my life because I live in Nashville now, but I'm so close, you know, to like this whole, (laughs) it's like my entire childhood, you know? So it's, I I always fight this feeling of like, am I getting away? Or like, you know, like, am I, am I just stuck in this cycle? Cause it's, you're in this, you're seeing the same things, you know, you're seeing the same people and it's just hard to, I don't know. That's been a huge struggle. Just feeling like I'm progressing because I'm still, in the same place, you know? Right. Well, hopefully you're far enough outside of it to, it seems like you've at least gained some perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Far away enough of it for that. But totally. Yeah, man. Like I grew up in Southern California. I live in Portland, Oregon now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, definitely I love understand Portland. what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's Portland has been pretty rad. It's been a good place to me, but, uh, yeah, going home is strange, man. Totally. It's, uh, you know, going back to that place where, like, maybe I'm not super bitter towards anybody particularly that lives there, but there's definitely, like, a weird vibe to it. And uh, especially if you kind of always wanted to get out of it yeah, in some way, you know, and and feeling, like you said, just people kind of looking at you, waiting for you to fail, yeah. you know, and feeling like maybe taking just like a non-traditional path to what the suburbs usually produce exactly exactly so i feel you yeah it is it's a struggle dude it's weird i because i totally understand you know it's not like i get that that's not normal and so you know obviously people are gonna kind of scratch their heads at it 
for me, I think I was just so, well, I was young. And so I didn't know really how to, t- I, for me, it felt like I was wrong or something. You know, I think it took me a couple of years just to look back at it and realize that it wasn't, it wasn't me, you know? And I think it helps yeah. me have a better perspective on it. It's just kind of, that's just different for, you know, that kind of culture, I guess. For sure. Yeah. People get kind of wrapped up in thinking there's not a lot of security in it or whatever. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, fearful for you and they convey that in very weird ways i think dude (laughs) you're telling me it's (laughs) it's crazy it is actually crazy right on man well let's jump into judge me all righty this is the jam from hank copton Oh, 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 
So when you're in the studio making these tunes, are you are you super hands on with all of the production going on? Yeah, I I try my hardest to be helpful, but also not get. I think Lou and I have a really good way of kind of not getting in each other's ways. So we, I try to kind of define my responsibilities in the studio, which most most of the time is the writing and the the playing um and kind of the instrumentation of everything but yeah i that's kind of my role i feel like in in the production side of things kind of starting these songs is just demos and then fleshing it out and actually you know what now that i'm saying that i i definitely have a big a big hand in the, all of it it's it's just like i think i try to keep myself one kind of step or one notch away from full control in all categories just because whenever I feel fully responsible it's when I start going crazy you know <laughs> yeah um and as far as instrumentation how many instruments do you play besides guitar I play well I'm three I would say piano and drums and I guess I would loop bass into that even though that most people are just kind of like oh well that's like guitar <laughs> eh, it's but, a different thing yeah it involves a, a whole different set of skills very different ball game it's you definitely don't want to approach it with the guitar's perspective <laughs> yeah did you learn other <clears throat> instruments pretty quickly after picking up guitar or did you kind of get to this place with the guitar where you were really happy with your playing and then decided, all right, I'm ready to move on to another thing. I think it was, uh, it was kind of all together. Like as I was trying to progress in being a guitarist, I also just latched onto any other instrument in the house and just kind of, I don't know. It, yeah. It, it wasn't like I kind of hit a point with guitar and I was like, okay, I want to take on another instrument as much as just learning about guitar and just another melodic instrument helped me kind of feel my way around other instruments, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I'll also imagine it's, you know, incredibly helpful to pick up as many instruments as possible as a songwriter as far as like longevity of a career. Yeah, absolutely just having some different uh different things to use as tools for writing maybe bring some different things out of you on the keys rather than the guitar yeah it's definitely it pulls different it pulls from different places i feel like with each instrument like sometimes i'll start a song or i'll like have an idea in my head and i'll just hear a drum loop behind it and i feel yeah. like it's it's like a different I don't know. It's a different inspiration. It's like a different part of me that's coming out as opposed to like when I just hear a song with a, with a piano behind it or just a guitar, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. When you're, um, I know right before we got on this call, you were, you were doing some demoing. Yes. Um, is that something that you'll maybe start like in more of a role of a producer and just be building something like in the box, like out of a a drum beat or anything. Yeah. I, 
that's actually kind of the approach that I've had for the majority of the music that I've put out. Um, just kind of starting with an idea or something in Logic or Pro Tools and kind of figuring out from there where I want the song to go. But it's definitely helpful writing as much as I can because I can use demos as practice, you know, kind of getting my production chops better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you uh, write or produce for anyone else in in the area? I... I I have gone in and worked on other people's records, but I don't, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a a producer for other people just yet. I think that I, I don't know. I'm, there's a lot uh, that I need to cover. I feel like on my own before I will feel ready to take on that responsibility. Cause it's really hard, honestly, producing another artist's record. If you're an artist as well, just cause at least for me, like we were talking about earlier with, these songs coming from such a personal place in my life. It's like kind of the same thing as, you know, achieving somebody else's vision. If I can't, you know what I mean? It's, I feel like I'm still having to learn the responsibility of a producer and like kind of just helping these ideas evolve into what they, what the artist wants them to be, as opposed to what you would, you know, choose for them to be if it was your project. Absolutely. No, that that makes total sense. And you're obviously putting out a lot of tunes right now. I would, I would imagine that's kind of where you want your focus to be. Yeah, for the time being. I think I, I love like playing and working on other people's records, but the priority now is definitely my stuff, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, I checked out that feature that you did on that Gatlin song. Oh, yeah, Gatlin. Gatlin. Yes, dude. She's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you, dude. Yeah, she is great. She's another Nashville artist. And she's like, she just keeps putting out music that it it just continually gets better. It's just so good. I don't know if you've checked out the rest of her catalog, but it's it's really cool. Uh, I definitely checked out a couple other songs and have intention of uh, checking out more. And um, yeah, this is kind of... uh, it's always cool tapping into another another region. You know, like I've only had a few people out of Nashville on the show, like one of them being Lou. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Liz Longley. I'm not. Um, she's out of there. And then Paul McDonald was the other Nashville yes, person. Yes, that that's a name that I feel like I've heard a lot, but I don't think we've ever met. But, uh, yeah, it's cool tapping into this this other scene because there's obviously so much good music coming out of there yeah dude it's it's really developing like it's kind of going crazy now there's so many different artists and just pockets and scenes in nashville now so i mean when you interview people is it mostly west coast people or is it portland artists or um you know it started off a lot of portland artists i've been doing this a little over four years now and it was primarily Portland artists to get going. That was kind of the idea for it. And then more and more, I started talking to um, just kind of making it a mix. And I would kind of catch up with bands as they would come through on tour. We would just do stuff in the green room before shows yeah. or, or or do something like this before they got to town, you know? And uh, I don't know. I I really enjoy getting to talk to the, 
people from all over if possible, you know? Yeah. And, totally. uh, it's this situation kind of, you know, being able to jump on the phone definitely allows for that a little bit more for certain people. And I figured during, during this quarantine time, this would be like a great time to try to get some folks from out of town because, Absolutely. you know, I got to jump on the phone to do this thing at this point anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. This whole pandemic has made me realize a, well, this is something I've already realized, but I'm so shitty at communication with my phone and I don't realize how easy it can be because now that we're in this pandemic, I'm like, wow, I could get so much done just like with my laptop here at my house and just, I could knock so much out, but I, (laughs) I never had the opportunity to actually sit down and something forced me to, to kind of work that way. (laughs) But it's made me realize how much I don't take advantage of, of the tools we have. Yeah, I think it's definitely a game changer. I'm definitely, you know, having Zoom conversations with people I wouldn't normally do that with. And it's like, hey, like we live in different states now and this would be really cool probably if we did this once a month with a few people. This is a great way to keep up with some folks, like pretty easy situation. Yeah. And yeah, the more musicians too that I talk to that also teach lessons on the side seem to like really enjoy doing all their lessons over zoom and not having to go anywhere to do them. Totally. I've been doing rights over zoom here recently, like the past couple of weeks, which has been so interesting. It's the first time I've ever done that. Yeah. Just trying to figure out the timing and, and <laughs> that whole situation of it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like when you write over zoom, you honestly put a little bit more attention towards the song where I feel like you could kind of get lost in, a demo or a track or just kind of like having something rolling. And I feel like when you're writing a song over zoom, it's like, we really have to make sure this is good because there's no, there's a, it's a good bullshit meter, you know, like the song just has to sound good at the end of the day. Just, you know, a person with a guitar singing it. So it's been cool. For sure. I like it. Maybe a little less likely to like bullshit too while you're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Brights go a lot faster. It's like, (laughs) He, you'll finish a song in like three hours and then it makes those days where you, you know, were in a session for seven or eight hours. You were just like, what the fuck was I doing the entire time? <laughs> <laughs> just like nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. How are you doing with this thing? Like overall, like, has this been affecting your, your mental pretty heavy? But the, the um, COVID situation? Yeah, I like... Honestly, it has been a little tough mentally. I think it is, which I mean, I feel like that's a common theme for a lot of people right now, just because I don't know, being in isolation is not my thing. So, so I'm kind of getting used to that and just facing some things that you wouldn't normally face if, you know, you had the regular distractions around you. But overall, I, I feel super privileged to be able to just, you know, make music and, and kind of hide out in my house. So I don't, I I don't feel any reason to complain about it. Yeah. I just feel like, especially being in Nashville, you, you guys have really been, really been taking it here. 2020, like pretty gnarly, like, like right before the COVID thing hits, you had that like incredible 
tornadoes storm. Yeah, dude, that was wild. Is that is that like just some something where you like really see your community come together though? Yeah, like I mean, helping each other out. Nashville is very. I feel like it's notorious for for people kind of lending a helping hand. So it was really cool to see all that get put into action. And even though it's so unfortunate that that happened, looking back at it, the timeline couldn't have worked any more perfectly because if we were in this, you know, pandemic, when that happened, people couldn't get out and help, you know? So a lot of that work probably wouldn't have been accomplished without, you know, the time that we did have while we could all be together. So like I said, even though it's unfortunate, it, it was it worked out in somewhat of a good way so yeah and as far as uh what's going on right now or did this all trample on any of your tour plans were you supposed to be out on the road right now you know i wasn't supposed to be out on the road but i i'm putting out the ep next month or i guess this month um time it is just <laughs> slipping by me at this point <laughs> but yeah i'm putting out a ep at the end of this month and i was supposed to have a release show that got canceled which was a bummer but i'm gonna try to i don't know just wait it out be patient hopefully i can get something booked here in town soon but just trying to figure out other ways to kind of promote that music without being able to play a show yeah when does the when does the ep drop it comes out may 24th Hell yeah. How many songs are going to be on this collection? So there's only one other song that's going to come out with the rest of the the EP. Okay. It's just four songs. And yeah, I'm super excited about... I, I'm ready for it to be out. And, you know, I'm always kind of trying to figure out the next thing. So I'm writing a bunch of music now that I'm excited about putting out too. So I'm just ready for the for the train to keep moving, you know? Yeah. Do you like working in these small batches of tunes? I think, I think it's for the time being. Absolutely. I've, I'm a huge fan of just record artists. Like I just love bands and artists that kind of thrive off of making the, a full length record. And I love, full length records in general, just kind of diving into a whole kind of era of songs to somebody. So I think it's the easiest way at the stage that I'm at to kind of have a consolidated thought in a group of songs, as opposed to just, you know, doing straight singles. But yeah. it's, I, I definitely want to work towards a full length. I think it's just a matter of the timing to, you know, just making sure it's right and making sure that it's just really hard to put out 10 or 12 songs in 2020 and expect people to, you know, give a shit. <laughs> it's, you, nah. you have to kind of hold on to the little attention you have at, you know, it's kind of easy for people to, to swipe on through. So I don't want to necessarily just blow that card right away. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great move and hopefully they would just want to like listen to that ep over and over yeah and get super familiar with those tunes dude yes that's the goal <laughs> that is what i've been doing with your music i've been listening to uh quite a bit of it well dude i really appreciate that i'm so happy that it's funny that <laughs> you also had interviewed lou prior to that 
Cause I and didn't not know. knowing until today that there was a connection. I started, um, I thought that I like saw in one of your credits, uh, like I saw, uh, like a Lewis somebody. And I was like, I wonder if that's, if that's Lonis. And then I, I was kind of creeping on your Instagram and I saw that y'all are like friends on there and some, he was tagged in some photos and I was like, Oh, that's definitely, it's fucking Lou. Yeah. 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 That's wild. That it's just, that's like some typical Nashville shit though. You know, like <laughs> it is so easy just to run into people that, you know, even in, I, I feel like I've been in like LA or New York and we'll still see people just like other artists from Nashville. Like, yeah, you can't really get away from it. The community is so tight. It's so small. Yeah. Um, call call it what it is. That's one of the other jams off the the new EP. Yeah. And you uh you have a really cool video with that and that features Maisie Stella in that one. Yeah. That actually that song started as a full band thing. Like we had tracked this big version of it. And after we had kind of gotten all of the reference mixes in order, we were talking about ideas for videos and kind of stuff like that. And um, so I was thinking about doing an acoustic video for that song. And I so I asked Maisie if she wanted to do it with me. And so we ended up, the day before we shot the video, we just tracked like a rough acoustic um, vocal scratch thing. And then we made the video to it. This was like prior to that song even being done or close to finished, or we didn't even know we were going to put it as a part of the EP, but I loved the version so much. And I love how it kind of, I don't know, it just sat with the other songs really well. And so we just ended up taking, <laughs> taking that version that we made for the video and making it the actual version on the EP. Oh shit. Yeah. So there's a full band version that I don't know if it'll see the light of day, but yeah, that was where it started. And then we were just kind of like, well, I guess the, I mean, I fell in love with that version right after we made that video. Yeah. It's very cool. I actually, um, had listened to the acoustic version of that song first before listening to that version. Yes. That's one of the jams that you did on that hour vinyl session, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah, it is. So I, yeah, so that was like one of the first songs I heard off of Can't, after uh, Can't Be Loved. I was like, let's check out one of these stripped down performances, see what this dude does without the band. <laughs> see what's really happening Let's, let's here. actually see what's going down here. <laughs> um, and, I, and I really liked it. And then I heard the version with, with Maisie and it's like so amazing. Oh, dude, thank you so much. I It... It's hard for Maisie to sound bad. She's just, it honestly pisses me off how good she is. It's like, <laughs> it is such, it's easy. It's literally easy for her. She opens her mouth and it's like, okay, well, that's that, you know? <laughs> She's, is all, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're, you're good. I was just saying, it, when we had tracked that little, uh, kind of almost like a demo before we shot the video, those vocals that she tracked for that ended up, we just ended up keeping them. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to change any of this. It just, she literally is just like a freak of nature. It's crazy. That's killer. 
Is is all the video stuff things that you like to be pretty involved in too? Yeah, I I definitely I try to um, right when I probably get about halfway into a batch of songs, I that's when I start thinking about video ideas because it's hard for me to to know what I want it to look like without knowing what it it sounds like first or what kind of that feeling is. But yeah, I definitely like being the the kind of um, the captain and all of that, or just at least creatively trying to be the biggest weight. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that gives you just kind of more attachment to your whole thing. If you're kind of involved in the creating the aesthetic for it too. Yeah, absolutely. I it's, I've pulled from a lot of like my favorite movies, which the majority of the movies that I watched growing up were scary movies because I loved scary movies so much for some yeah. reason. And uh, so, yeah, I I think that there's just this like kind of darker street light vibe kind of thing about the way that I see this music if it was just kind of out in a situation. So I, I always pull from that kind of inspiration which is cool i feel like it's a it's a part of me that i get to express in it yeah i really dig the yeah just the vibe of that call call it what it is vi- um video just just the white wall like abandoned gas station with all the like the you know the taped up windows yeah. and everything yeah and it's creepy There's, honestly if you <laughs> the place that yeah, we were filming definitely. at was wild it was like i definitely there was a few points where i I was a little, I was a little nervous. I was like, this is actually <laughs> like kind of creepy. This is not going to turn out good. <laughs> what is, uh, what's like your go-to or like favorite horror movie, classic horror? Uh, the Halloween series, hands down. Yes, that dude. Is, that is my shit, man. I, I am obsessed with that whole, that, I mean, all of them, but like, the Rob Zombie yeah. ones that he made in the 2000s, even though they're I'm with fucked it. up, they're yeah, I'm there. I'm for with it. it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bro. I uh, yeah, absolutely. And the old like the Jamie Lee Curtis stuff, like holy shit, dude, so good. I love it. Um, I haven't seen the most recent one. I've I've been re- a little reluctant to watch it, but I heard it was very good. But yeah, Hall- Halloween is my also my favorite like the original halloween especially those first couple maybe even the third one those are like my favorite classic horror movies my mom showed me that when i was very young she like showed me that when i was maybe like eight years old showed me that original halloween (laughs) that's amazing and and like yeah that that movie's yeah that's killer dude i'm yeah it's just so nostalgic for me at this point yeah, I can't imagine it's like great for anybody. Like if someone saw it for the first time right now, I can't imagine it's that that uh like groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. It's weird. I it's it's kind of like okay, so I grew up I my parent, my mom was a, a preacher's daughter, and so I grew up Church of Christ, and I had the parents that they wouldn't let me and my sister watch Harry Potter because they thought it was witchcraft. <laughs> Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So that was like that just to give you the vibe. And so with my friends, like I'll be talking to, you know, a friend now and that'll come up about Harry Potter and I'll be like, yeah, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. 
and they always like want to try to like oh well we need like we need to have a we need to sit down and just watch all of them you know we need to like go all through it and i'm like i kind of miss the nostalgic era of that like it's kind of hard for me now to sit down and watch harry potter and be like oh yeah like this i totally am on the same level right. as you guys you know just because i miss that whole like like the the part of it that was like a part of you growing up you know yeah definitely man records and movies and and art like that it's it's interesting how much nostalgia can like play into something or if you didn't see it when it came out even if it's good you might you just really might not get it yeah it's wild i i i mean i guess my point in all that was with scary movies like telling my friends that you know late 70s and 80s horror films are like my shit they're usually like this is whack dude do you see the blood in this like have you seen a have you seen a horror movie like nowadays like they're pretty scary man like you don't have have to play yourself yeah dude holy shit that movie have you seen midsummer uh yeah that's probably like the most uncomfortable experience i've ever had in a movie theater but also probably one of my favorite experiences in a movie theater (laughs) i couldn't have put it better myself i think that movie's amazing and it's all like it's just also crazy because it's all shot during the daytime yeah it's just it's beautiful first like all the shots are insane the act (laughs) the first time that i went and saw it (laughs) i went i went with two other people and i legitimately i was exhausted and i legitimately fell asleep like 30 minutes into the movie and slept all the way until the credits and so oh. i woke up as the credits were rolling and i was like oh shit and my the my friends were like they looked mortified like it was i did not know <laughs> what happened in like the time that i fell asleep to when i woke up like that made them that triggered and then i went back and i watched the movie and i was like holy shit this gets crazy. And I slept through all of this. They looked like they were like white as ghosts. Like they were terrified. Dude, when that movie was over in the theaters, I just heard like when the screen went black, I just heard somebody that was in the audience and they were just like, is it over yet? And they were just like, <laughs> they were just done. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, <laughs> That scene, that movie also has like I think a very accurate depiction of uh, a mushroom trip, which is yes, very great. Agreed. Yeah, I think I that I've never seen a movie that has accomplished like a psychedelic trip like that. It's very right? very surreal. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that six feet under track. Um, yes. You mentioned. You know, you were obviously raised around some religious folks so it was a pretty religious household growing up yeah yeah um well i don't know i don't know how like if you grew up a christian or whatever or you know whatever religion so i'm not if you do know what i'm talking about just be like hey man i understand you don't have to do this but like (laughs) (laughs) with church of christ i always explain it as the footloose church like that's the best way <laughs> to just kind of give you the vibe it's like no you know no music no dancing uh or or i guess music but it's acapella and, there's a lot uh, of rules a lot of rules right <laughs> and yeah so growing up in that that was something else that's like a whole nother that's a 
That's a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah, for real. Like the song that, well, Six Feet Under was actually on this EP that I wrote just completely about that whole experience with, uh, you know, just religion and growing up in the Bible Belt. And, you know, I don't know, just like being fearful, you know, more than anything. Like I think I I grew up uh, more afraid to go to hell than I was like, curious as to figure out what God is or what that religion is, you know, like it's weird. It's like kind of a mind warp. So like there was a whole, yeah, there was a whole EP of songs that were just like about that. So that has a huge part of my life. I don't know if those, I mean, maybe those songs will come out later on, but yeah, for right now, it's just kind of sitting on my hard drive. (laughs) Yeah. But that stuff is definitely like, influenced and bled into your your creative process somewhere absolutely yeah no it it's definitely and even i mean even when i'm not writing about that specifically there's just parts you know there's things that like happen growing up or just being in that religion or just in that culture that you you take with you you know like just in how you feel about yourself or regardless of what it is, I think that in all my music that I write, there's some part of me that kind of pulls from that experience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And where are you at with, uh, like religion and spirituality at this point in your life? Is this like something you've completely abandoned or have you like found your own kind of meaning in, in shit? Ooh. Um, or is there just still like maybe a lot of resentment towards the way you were brought up no no resentment i think it was i think it's good to grow up faithful or just to have faith in something you know regardless of what that is to you know a parent i think it's very healthy for for you to grow up kind of i don't know with an optimistic point of view or just having faith in some plan or something and i think that i will always hold on to that that faith, you know, just in kind of those moments in life where I've been like, wow, like I could not have, I, if somebody were like, if somebody asked me to do that, I could not have done that. You know, that was like, things just happen in such a a perfect way or like just line up the way that they do to where it's like, wow, that was really out of my control. But some, something's, you know, looking after me. And I try to like hold on to that that feeling, I, I really, I feel like there's a part of me that still is very spiritual when it comes to that side of things. I think where I got lost was just the social structure of the church. I think that like kind of put, that left a bitter taste in my mouth, you know? Yeah, dude. I'm totally with that. Um, I grew up Catholic, yeah. nothing militant, nothing militant or anything, but going to church most Sundays, but yeah, I don't know. Like after high school, I just kind of, you know, just started breaking some things down and it never really connected heavy with me anyways. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, like you were saying, it's good. Like I have found it important to me to have some faith in my life and some spirituality has, has always benefited me for sure. Yeah, definitely. I can um, agree. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to get real wild, dude, I started my my buddy and I, another Portland musician out here, a few months ago, we started doing this wild podcast called Bible Buds. 
neither of us neither of us identify as christian or anything but we just get stoned and go through the bible and we we've been having some guests on and just talking to people's religious experiences growing up and like dude i have story i have so many stories let please let me give me a reason to get stoned and talk about these stories about <laughs> growing marking, up in church I'm, christ i'm marking you down hank All as right, a man. guest a future guest <laughs> i would absolutely love it um well, fuck, man. I appreciate you jumping on the line with me and just kind of talking to me about your tunes and where you come from and everything. I've really enjoyed listening to your music, and I think I'll definitely have some different ears now listening to it in the future and just have a little bit more reason to want to listen to it. Well, dude, I appreciate you having me, seriously, and I appreciate you listening in general. It means a lot. Right on, man. And uh, I'm super stoked that you have that connection to Lou because <laughs> yeah. uh, he's definitely he's definitely like one of my favorite strangers that I've encountered doing this thing. Dude, he yeah, he's great. We should all, all three of us should figure out a way to do something together. Well, one day I'm going to make it to that there Nashville, you know, when this uh, when things get back to whatever the new normal is. Yeah, I'm going to make it there. You need to, man. Uh, do you come to Nashville a lot or is it? I've never been. I was telling Lou, I've never been. And I'm just like, dude, I'm really, really trying to, uh, <laughs> to get to Nashville and see some music there. You, you need to, man, you really need to. And you need to let me know when you're out here. So we could like, I don't know, go get drunk or something. I know some cool places we could get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> I'm with it. All I'm right. With it. Well, um, but- I'm going to put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, can follow along with you and uh, encourage people to uh, to check out all of your tunes that are available online. And um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. It's so a, it's a we, program? Yep. It's just how my grandfather usually refers to like the news program. <laughs> Like it doesn't, but it doesn't mean anything. It's just like some, you know, ridiculous way to end each show. Okay. So just say it's a program. Yeah. You're already doing it. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So do I need to do it again or, or sure you can do it again. All right. Why not? Cool. One for good measure. Third time's the charm. It's a program. He nailed it. Everybody. That's Hank Compton. (laughs) I will put all the links in the episode notes. Um, we're going to play it out with one of my, my favorite dram, favorite jams off of your uh, Kill What We Love EP, which is uh, what you've put me through. And there is a video for this available on the YouTube as well. So I encourage people to check that out. Really fucking like this song. Dude, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, it's been, hang- it's been fun hanging with you. Yes, you as well, man. I'm glad that we, we got to do this. Absolutely. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams, everybody. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. You don't know what you're putting me through. Do I seem right when I speak to you? Just tell me one time that you love me too. Because you don't know what you're putting me through. You don't know what you've made of me I can't walk straight when I'm never free I 
Now I drink all day just to get relief Yeah, you don't know what you've made of me It's a program.